So our key strategic objective is to make sure that all of the staff that work at this airport can be digitally connected. They can actually connect to the airport in real time and get updates, have a live interactive conversation. They can do everything they need to do from a work perspective um, in a digital fashion. Because admin stuff is stuff that's getting getting in the way of what you're actually trying to do, you know, which is, you know, say, for example, the baggage handler. Yep. You know, their priority is to move the bags around as quickly as they can to the destination. And if admin's getting in the way of that, you know, like all this paperwork that they have to do... <laughs> then that's crazy. That's not an efficient organisation. So a lot of the operation, even still these days, is still led by ticking on bits of paper, filling in forms on bits of paper. And the, our strategic objective is to change all of that and make it all digital. So make it instant, make it quick, make it easy. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. I'm delighted to be sitting here with Neil Barnett. Neil is the Senior Digital Communications Manager for... Heathrow Airport, in my view, one of the most wonderful airports in the world. I do get an awful lot of opportunity to use Heathrow Airport um, and and other airports. Um, Neil's got a fascinating career. He's responsible at Heathrow for digital channels engagement and digital workplace adoption, which we're going to get into. In 2009, Neil was leading the financial services sector into social media uh, with one of the first corporate Twitter accounts. In, and in 2013, he launched the digital side of the Royal Mail's um, public offering to shareholders and customers. Neil's been involved with many organizations such as Canon Europe, Royal Sun Alliance, Friends Life, really kind of bringing the whole digital uh, experience to employees and external stakeholders and it's fantastic to be sitting here with yeah, you today grateful. Neil. Yeah, no, excellent, uh, nice to see you again. And, and just for the people listening I'm just going to describe the setting. Um, <laughs> so we are in Compass House which is the headquarters of Heathrow Airport and I can see to my left the air traffic control centre uh, which I've relied on and everybody else is relying on uh, day in, day out. Uh, just to the right is Terminal 5, which is my favourite terminal in the world. There's an awful lot of aircraft. There's lots, perhaps unsurprisingly, British Airways aircraft. Uh, Qantas there, and we're watching aircrafts taking off and landing as, 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 we, as we speak. Just coming in now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, so, so Neil, it's, it's great to be here with you. Could you, um, just to kind of set the scene, describe what your role he- is yep. at Heathrow and, and maybe just a few stats about Heathrow for, yeah, a, no, for a global audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so um, I joined um, Heathrow Airport um, two years ago now, and um, that feels like a, a long time ago already. <laughs> time runs very quickly, especially in the sort of digital world. And uh, I'm responsible for the, um, so job title is Senior Digital Communications Manager, um, responsible for digital communications across the airport. 
Um, we have around 76,000 um, staff that actually work across the airport. Um, so that's with the, you know, all the retailers, with all the, um, the baggage handling teams, with um, all the people that actually run um, the airport. So a lot of different companies, a lot of different people. Um, which makes it a very challenging environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually call it a mini city. <laughs> right, okay. Because <laughs> we have literally everything. We have our own police force, we have our own fire brigade, we have our own um, church even. So wow. it's, it's a whole city. That it's you a whole, you could just live before. here. You could live here. You I didn't could, know and, and we probably do. <laughs> I didn't know Heathrow had its own police force. It does, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it is really like... Um, communicating with a whole city you've got mm. a whole variety of different uh, job roles and it is very very diverse in its, mm. in its workforce so directly for us we we look after um, six and a half thousand staff that are directly employ- employed by Heathrow Airport mm-hmm. um, and the rest of those 76,000 people are employed by different companies mm. that are subcontracted into the airport and obviously all the retailers mm. as well so it's a big very complicated beast right. um, at Heathrow Airport. We are so Heathrow is probably one of the is one of the biggest airports in the UK. It's known as what we call a hub airport, which means that we actually run a huge, very high percentage of connections. Um, so people are actually arriving here, going through Heathrow, then flying on to somewhere else. So that's a very high percentage of our passengers. Um, and we also have a huge cargo. So in terms of our in terms of our business, a lot of the uh, the business actually comes from cargo as well as it is from passengers. So, um, so when you arrive at Heathrow, you as a passenger, you won't see the cargo, but it is literally we can see it over there. It's the other side of the southern runway. Um, okay, so is main, it that big warehouse there? It's the big warehouse behind the sort of fuel tanks. Yeah, okay, right through right. there. <laughs> okay, right, yeah. Um, and that is, you know, for, for for Great Britain, that is one of our significant cargo hubs. Mm. So an awful lot goes on through there. Um, so it is, you know, in terms of the industry of the UK, it's, major, it's one of the international major hubs. So our competitors worldwide, so Schiphol is one of our biggest competitors, not Gatwick, as most people in the UK mm. would think of Gatwick as being as a commit or Stansted. Yeah. Um, it's actually Schiphol. They actually have seven runways, whereas Heathrow at this moment in time only has two runways. Wow. Um, so, so they're a massive advantage. We actually run at sort of 99% capacity here whereas Schiphol is about 50% capacity. So if anything goes wrong with weather or anything like that, Schiphol can cope very easily because it can expand. We have to, a real, we're running on a real sort of tight ship here. Um, so that's why we desperately need that extra run- runway to give us that more flexibility in how we run the operation. Yeah. So a challenging environment. Okay, and um, <laughs> you, uh, you've got uh, quite a few little uh, sort of yeah, stats about no the numbers. <laughs> just, so just, just, just give me a few of those. Um, so in terms of the number of passengers per year, um, so it's 78 million people come through the, come through the airport every year. Mm-hmm. And when you actually fly through here as a passenger, you'll, you'll probably say, well, Heathrow wasn't that big, was it really? Because yeah. you're, but you're only experienced as a passenger. You're only experienced one terminals. Mm. Now out there... We have five different terminals at the moment, and mm. with the expansion of the third runway, we'll have even more terminal buildings. Yeah. Um, so you're only experiencing sort of one-fifth of the mm. of the airport as a passenger sure, when sure. you go through. So you don't see the whole expanse mm. that, that we have to cope with yep. on a yep. daily basis. Yep. So we have our busiest day, for example, which is the 30th of June, which is obviously summertime. 
Most okay. people that tend to be travelling during the summertime, summer holidays. So it's not Christmas holidays. Day, not, no, not just before, it's not the, the 20th of December, or, you know. <laughs> that's yeah. probably the second busiest okay. day. <laughs> I'd never, I, I'd never <laughs> known <laughs> the 30th of June <laughs> yeah. was the busiest day. And you've got 259,917. Exactly, exactly, yeah. on that day. Okay. Passengers right. on that single okay. day. So you can imagine the volume of, of uh, well, yeah. complexity actually coping with all those passengers mm. every single day. Um, keeps us on our toes. Yeah. Um, uh, and then in terms of the so in terms of companies actually working at the airport, it's three hundred plus. So that includes all the retailers, that includes all the baggage handling mm. companies, all the outsourcing companies. Um, so we have some big engineering companies that work mm-hmm. for us here as well. So so there's about three hundred different companies that work at this airport at the mm. same time. And of the terminals, you, you said your favourite terminal was Heathrow was um, Terminal Five, which mm. you can just see over there. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, that is the busiest terminal as right. well. Um, so that actually copes with the biggest number of people. But Terminal 2, which we can see over there, mm. is, our, is actually our newest terminal. Okay. Even though people, because it didn't yeah. get, we, didn't, we purposely kept the, the PR quite low on that one right. when we launched it. Um, but that is the brand new terminal, only launched a couple of years ago. And is only, is, is due to expand double the size of what we're actually built at okay. the moment. So in terms of our terminal capacity, we, we still have a, you know, an expansion program. So, so, just kind of getting into your role yep. here, um, how would you how would you describe what your job is for Heathrow? Um, so, um, so our key strategic objective is to make sure that all of the staff that work at this airport can be digitally connected. They can actually connect to the airport in real time and get updates, have a live interactive conversation. They can do everything they need to do from a work perspective. Um, in a digital fashion. So that is what we're trying to do to the, to the airport, is digitally enable the workforce um, to actually do whatever they need to do every single day, every single day of the year. And that means actually deploying a what we call a digital workplace that is truly mobile. Mm. You know, it's not actually locked to a desktop, it's not locked to a desk. Um, we have about 60% of our staff that don't have a desk, they don't have a laptop. They are what we call operational workers, remote mm. workers. Um, all they have is a personal mobile phone. They don't mm. even get um, a, a mobile phone from the company. So, so from that point of view, it's very, very challenging. And also, it's, it's very, historically, it's very led by bits of paper. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the operation, even still these days, is still led by ticking on bits of paper, filling in right. forms on bits of paper. And the, our strategic objective is to change all of that and make it all digital. Mm. So make it instant, make it quick, make it easy. Mm. So what, what is the, could you give me a couple of examples of, of the sort of digitization of, of a particular role inside, inside the organization? So, so uh, one of the key areas that we focused on when we actually started looking at the, the research phase of our DWP, Digital Workplace Programme, um, one of the key focuses was the operational people, so the, the, you know, the guys that don't have a desk and the guys that don't have a laptop. So we actually wanted to make them, to give them the accessibility to the organisers from a digital point of view. Um, so we spent a lot of time and effort actually understanding what those guys actually do on a daily basis. And a lot of people it... People doing things like... So, for example, like the baggage handlers. Right. So what they do is they actually load, you know, take the baggage mm. off the aeroplane, put it onto a truck, truck moves it around mm. the airport, actually takes it onto the conveyor belts, mm. or if you're connecting through Heathrow Airport, you know, gets it ready onto for the next plane. So actually getting all that baggage, moving all that baggage around the airport, 
is you know one of our um, biggest responsibilities should we say mm. you know, well amongst other things security is another big one obviously when you go through security you know from for what we call land side to air side mm. um, all that security checking so um, so 60% of our workforce of those six and a half thousand staff are what we call operational staff who who are actually all they've got is a personal mobile device mm. from a digital point of view they don't have anything mm. else they don't have a desk they don't have a fixed location to work in mm. they're often because they're working on a shift basis yeah they're working in different parts of the airport yeah. from one day to the next so so if i'm a baggage handler yep. um how is life different for me digitally now than say where it was five years ago. Yeah, so we're, we're only at the beginning. Okay. Um, <laughs> or how would you like it to be yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so how, when we actually, you know, when we get to our sort of end goal, they'll be doing all of their processes on their own mobile device. Now, whether that's their own personal mobile device or whether it's uh, an organizational mobile device, doesn't matter. What we're building is the flexibility to allow either of those types of devices. So it can be a corporate device or it can be a personal device. Right. Um, and so just by simply logging in to the system, um, they can then actually p- make sure that they can actually do all of their administration tasks. Um, they can do it through that digital platform. And one of the things we're just looking at at the moment is what we call shift swapping. Mm-hmm. Um, so shift swapping is um, one of the key requirements when we did the research with these operational guys at the airport. One of their top priorities was actually to digitally to be able to do a shift swap. So, for example, you know, next week, you know, it's my daughter's birthday, yeah. therefore I need to take the day off. Can anybody shop, swap that day so that I'm covered you know, my shift is covered. Um, that is one of the top requirements from a digital perspective. At the moment, that is a paper-based process. Right. They have to, you know, um, fill in the form. That form then goes to an admin person. They have to scan it, and it mm. goes into the back end of a system. So it's really um, enabling those back-end systems to actually go direct to our members of staff. Mm. So okay. that's where we want to get to. Okay, and, that, and that's so important, isn't it? Because, I mean, one of the things I found doing talks about... You know, the, you know, what, we, what I call the digital renaissance of work is that giving a little bit of autonomy to people in what might be perceived to be quite routine roles changes the relationship with it. So as you, and one of the things I've often said is if you give people some influence over the design of their working week, you mentioned yeah. changing shifts. Yeah. It's yeah. so valuable because if that means you can be at your daughter's birthday or do something with your mum and dad, it makes a, 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 huge, a huge difference. So, yeah, 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 so yeah. that's an aspiration. Yeah. What's, what's something that you, you've delivered that you're proud of? So um, in terms of what we've actually um, delivered, we have put in sort of the, the foundations um, for, to enable that long-term vision. So we're building all of the foundations at the moment that enable that sort of flexible workforce, that agile workforce, and enable them to do all those administrative tasks um, by using a cloud-based digital platform that is available on any type of device. Now, it doesn't have to be a corporate device. It can be a personal device. It can be your, your home PC. It can be your, mo- your personal mobile phone. So that foundation is already in place now. So we've actually set, done that, and we've actually spent a, we, there's a significant investment behind that, um, particularly on the side of IT. Um, so strategically, IT were involved, HR were involved, and communications are involved, and all of those three areas um, are actually aiming towards this new direction, but you have to get the buy-in and support of those three different areas of the business to actually move it forward. Um, and if you, if one of those three areas is missing, you, you're not going to succeed basically because mm. somebody will will actually not be part of the party. So, so, so first of all, um, what is the platform, and and how did you select 
the platform you so, went with. So, yeah. So, interesting. We, uh, I think in terms of uh, sort of the, the program and the way we actually move through it, there is an approach that we use, which, we, which I've used at Canon, which really actually sets the correct foundations to enable those long-term visions. And if you, if you jump some of these steps or miss some of these bits out, then you're not going to have something which, is, you know, which actually gives real value to your workforce. Um, so we spent a lot of time actually doing research with our, with our um, staff, um, focus groups, questionnaires, um, different tasks. Um, one, of, one of the things we did in one of the focus groups was get our operational guys to actually design their own app. You know, if they had a completely free, free world what would their day-to-day work app actually look like? Mm. What would be in it? And so collating all of that information, we then actually got a really detailed insight, A, to what, to what people are actually doing across the airport, B, to what their priorities are, and C, to the things we can actually try and fix and actually make their life a lot easier, quicker, more efficient. Because admin stuff is stuff that's getting, mm. getting in the way of what you're actually trying to do, you know, which is, you know, say, for example, the baggage handler. Yep. You know, their priority is to move the bags around as quickly as they can to the destination. And if admin's getting in the way of that, you know, like all this paperwork that they have to do, then that's crazy. That's not an efficient organization. So that's what we actually spent a huge amount of time doing was actually that research phase mm-hmm. of the program. So once we've actually got that research, we then look at, okay, what are the things we can fix? You know, what are the things we need to park? So that's a bit of a scoping. Mm-hmm. And then, only then, when we've got all that mapped out, do we then start to look at, okay, what is the technology that we can start to use to fix those particular mm-hmm. problems? A lot of people will just dive in straight, you know, get the top technology and think, well, how can we use this technology mm-hmm. for all That's completely the wrong way around to do it. So you've got to really know your audience. You've got to really know your staff inside out before you can select the right technology. Um, so, so the platform that we went for, um, because we are fundamentally, we're a Microsoft organization. Um, so Microsoft, as you know, we've done Office 365. So we selected Office 365, but we've delivered it and we've um, coaxed it into a quite a unique space that actually delivers something for the end user, which is very simple to use. Microsoft are not really well-known for usability. Um, so we've put a layer on top of that Microsoft platform to make it really simple what to is, use. What is that? Is that something you built yourself? So, or we, is it we, a, a, so a using SharePoint, um, mm-hmm. we've actually created our own user interface. Okay. Um, well, you've got your own development team doing that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, we've got external um, development team yeah, and our yeah. own guys as well. So we've okay. got a mix of both. Yeah. Um, so using that sort of um, that user interface across the top of Office 365 gives us a unique branded experience for our for our workforce just out of interest how much of the spend on the technology was extra was the extra bit of development and layering and i would say um because i mean our spend were included hardware software included adoption including customization so there was there's quite a big mix in the pot of what we were doing included new iPhones for everybody as well. So there was quite a high spend on the hardware side, um, which is significant spend. Um, but if you look at the rest of it, I would say, I would say there was about thirty percent on the soft stuff, which is the adoption side of it, the communication side of it, the um, the people side of it, 
And the other 60%, 70% would be actually on the hardware side of it and the technology side of it and the implementation and rollout. Um, so it was, a, it was a big program and a big program team, you know, with people from HR, IT and comms actually in that program team, um, actually over two years to deliver it. So we're now just at the end of deployment, and we're now actually rolling. This year is all about adoption. Right. So it's all about using um, adoption techniques to actually make people aware of what mm. they can do with the new platform. And is, 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 there, is, is there another step in your um, typical process and approach? Because you mentioned the research, yeah. understanding, yeah. then yeah. the scoping, then the yeah. technology. So, so once you've got the technology, once you've decided on the technology, then it's deployment. Right. And that deployment is always seen by IT as the biggest bit, mm. but it, it's not. It's mm. the easiest bit, actually. Mm. Yeah. The hardest bit is your research, understanding your organization, mm. understanding your staff. And the other really hard bit is actually what you call the business change bit or your adoption bit, which mm. comes after you've actually deployed all your, all your uh, technology. Mm. So it's actually getting that usage up and, and actually driving it through engagement techniques. So, so you talked about the fact that most people don't do it like this, and I've seen it countless times as you have, which is Indeed. let's throw in the great technology. I mean, the answer is Office 365, so let's just deploy it. Yeah. You deploy it, guess what? It, you know, it creaks, the usage not there, you try and backfix it. Why is it, why is it people tend to do that when really the logic and, and the evidence underlines exactly what you've done? Yeah. The reason that happens, I think, is because a lot of the time these types of programs or projects tend to be driven by an IT requirement to fix some infrastructure. Mm. And they naturally you know, start talking to, to Microsoft and, and we'll, we'll just throw that technology across the organization and they assume that without much effort it will land and everybody hon- you know, everybody's honky-dory, they're all, they love it, they'll all be happening. Um, it's, it's, that is just not the case. Um, the other reason is that they don't really think about usability. Organizations do not think about usability. They do not think about what their staff are really trying to do from an admin mm. point of view on a day-to-day basis. Mm. It's understanding the real nitty-gritty mm. down at the real lower level mm. that actually gives us your biggest you know, return on investment. Mm. So, did, um, did, Sorry to interrupt you, but did, did you go and spend time in... With some of the people, absolutely. Which, absolutely. Tell me, which, which one, which group stuck out in your mind? <laughs> it, it was um, for, for us. It's, it's the operational guys, you know, that are actually living and breathing out there, actually in the airport. I mean, we have um, sort of an airside operations team, and some of them will literally just drive up and down the runway at night time, fixing right. holes in the runway and all this sort of okay. stuff. Okay. Those guys really understanding. What and you've been those out with guys, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and could yeah. you could you see yeah. yourself in an yeah. alternative career doing that? Which <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> but but yeah. But that's that's the only way you can get to understand mm. the real logistical administration. Uh, you know, um, blockers yeah. that really suffocate an organisation. Um, so and technology is can be if it's used correctly can actually free all of that from the day-to-day and make it so much easier but there are so so often i come across systems which are designed by third parties 
which actually make what is a simple mm. job really hard. Mm. I mean, some of our, even here, even still today, some of our HR systems mm. are horrendous from a mm. usability point of view. Absolutely horrendous. Mm. And it actually takes you know, mm. the effort to actually get through that system and get a result mm. the other end is way above what it what it should mm. be. It should be really simple, mm. and, it, it, and it's not. And that really drives. So, you, so you talked about the importance of uh, of the adoption, which yeah. is the yeah. which is the key part when this all. What what approaches do you take to ensure that those guys who are driving up and down the runway at night when the because there are a few hours when the planes aren't, aren't absolutely taken. correct. How yeah. many hours is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, it's only uh, about three or four hours. Oh, right. It's, so, when, it's not how long. what? How do you get? What's the adoption plan for those guys to help them receive and use the stuff that you know is going to make their lives easier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all about having an adoption strategy. Um, so for us, the adoption strategy is very much around um, what we call our digital mentors. Um, so we've actually built, as we did that research phase, we actually spent a lot of time getting to know the operational guys. And then you can actually, during that, you can actually point to a couple of people and say, yeah, that guy would make an amazing digital mentor for us because he's sort of got an interesting technology. Mm. He's got an interest in making the business more efficient. Mm. And so you pull out these guys from the organization and you use those as what we call our digital mentors. And they actually then drive it from a local perspective. They actually drive it on the ground. You can't drive it from the top. Mm. It's too difficult. So you've got to drive it from the ground up. Mm. And, the, and particularly, sort of, you tend to find that the younger people will, will, you know, will latch onto this stuff very quickly and very easily. Um, so we've got, so for example, we've got engineering. It's a big engineering base here at the airport as well, and um, so, so some of those um, engineers tend to find it a little bit challenging when you get to technology because they're not particularly used to it in the sort of day-to-day life. Mm. So what you tend to do as well is use these digital mentors, and some of them will be quite young, to actually mentor some of the other people mm. as well. And you can do what we call reverse mentoring, which mm. I really like. So mm. take a student from a university and get them to mentor your CEO right. on the use of technology. Mm. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, um, that's what I call reverse mentoring. Mm. You know, it mm. doesn't, yeah, and it's getting rid of the, sort of, yeah. you know, the age Are there gap. other adoption techniques that you think are going to be a, a key when you're, when you're bringing in the vision? So, yeah, I mean, so in terms of adoption, we, we tend to use a lot of um, sort of business change techniques. Um, so, for example, they're, they're what we call gamification. Mm-hmm. So you actually set a few um, a fun, interactive mm. games to do across the airport in those different, ar- different business areas. And then they can be very localized as well, but they, they generate... Um, an interest in those tools by making it fun. So you create mm. a fun thing. I mean, one well-used example is like a little treasure hunt. So mm. you have to find X number of treasures throughout your digital workplace. And when you found them all, you get a prize at the end of it and you mm. do an awards ceremony and you make yeah. a big thing and song and dance of it. So that is sort of like one of the little gamification techniques that we use. Mm. Another one that we use, which has worked incredibly well here, we do a lot of... Um, um, corporate social responsibility. We raise a lot of money for charities, so mm. we have free charities that we support here at Heathrow. And um, one of those is called um, Race the Plane. It's a, an, a big event that we takes place one day every year, mm-hmm. and that event is a whole set of exercise bikes over in Terminal Two over there, 
um, where all our staff jump on in teams mm-hmm. and they have to race an aeroplane that's physically actually at the same time flying from here to New York. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and so, we have big so screens. So their collective effort is yes. trying to outpace the exactly. aircraft. Right. Exactly, exactly. So we have big screens that show, you know, who's in the lead, who's slightly behind. Oh, wow. But we actually plug all of that into our digital workspace. And so we actually make it... So that event lives in the digital workspace as well. Mm. And we actually have live blogging, you know, using all of our blogging tools. Um, so all of the staff across the whole airport can get involved in that mm. one day. Even though they're physically not on one of those bikes, on one of those machines, they can still feel part mm. of their team racing that aeroplane. And that has been one of our biggest successes in terms of driving that adoption. Mm. So you're trying to get the, the, the whole digital workplace and the digitization of the, the, the workforce of the air, uh, airport out of the kind of strategy and, 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 and yeah. you know, architecture. Yeah. You're trying to get yeah, it yeah. right into the heart of what people Absolutely. care about, Absolutely. which is yeah. you know, some yeah, competition, yeah. Uh, unlocking puzzles, the idea yeah. of with digital mentoring, building relationship, yeah. um, cross generationally, yeah. um, absolutely, and, and that's that, yeah. that, that, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, do you think that technology can help an airport, in this case Heathrow, stand apart from the rest? Is it is it, it is it is the technical dexterity of the workforce a, an a, 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 an advantage? I, I, I fundamentally believe that. Um, with the right technology, delivered in the right way, designed in the right way, and really focused on your end user needs and requirements, you can actually make Heathrow way, way more competitive than any other organization or any other airport for that matter. Um, so it's all about driving efficiencies through the business mm. and actually making those admin tasks, that mundane daily admin tasks, really, mm. really quick, really, really simple so that you've actually got more time to do your real job. Mm. That, that is the fundamental driver of this, this digital workspace. Mm. And there's lots of other advantages of that, but it is actually delivering that technology down to that real, as you just said, the lowest, um, the, the real nitty-gritty of what mm. actually makes a difference to every single person out there. That, that's mm. the real key. Yeah. You can strategize and do all the high-level stuff, mm. but if it, it's going to actually make a difference on the ground floor. Mm. If it doesn't, you're going to lose your No, absolutely. And, and, and how yeah. did you avoid all of the other, in a way, technologies that, that are, 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 I'll use the words, in exciting people? How do, you know, so there's probably Workplace by Facebook or Slack or Jive or you know, Google Suite. I mean, what... what and the, the, the fundamental decision that we made from a technology was point of view was we need something that's going to integrate with what we do already. And 95% was already in, in, in some sort of Microsoft platform. Um, so actually, I mean, the only, the only addition we've made to, to Office 365 is something called, um, it's an organization called Beekeeper. They actually do a social platform, and we, we've actually named it Buzz. So, for <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a, a nice sort of uh, you know a little idea to get people used to what it's actually designed for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a social conversational platform. It's very similar to Yammer, mm-hmm. um, but when we did a pilot with our um, guys, our operational guys, um, they actually much preferred something that's really simple to use. And Buzz was really really simple. So mm-hmm. the interface is dead simple it's, it's a bit like using whatsapp it's really whereas yammer on a mobile phone is a little mm. bit clunky 
So we actually went for, for Beekeeper mm. Buzz, but it does the same thing as Yammer mm. does. The, the other interesting thing that you said um, was that you, you allow people to bring their own devices. Yes. Now, if I'm yeah. thinking of somewhere you want to have rock-solid security, I'm thinking of a major airport. Yep. Um, was there a big debate on do we just provision our own tech to people or versus let them and 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 how did that there there is a big debate resolved there is, there is a big debate and any or every organization i've ever been to um has the same debate about security obviously for an airport it's right top of the agenda we have to be very careful about our data and it was the same at canon you know my previous role at canon it was exactly the same at canon we had a lot of serious in-depth debates about security but when you talk to microsoft it's a bit like a banking institution allowing you to do banking on your own personal device. They mm. allow that. And, you know, it's 100% secure. Mm. Well, as much as it can be. Mm. And um, so the Microsoft platform is exactly the same. Mm. And the lengths that Microsoft had gone to in recent years, I mean, they, they put a big effort to this about, I think, about five years ago. Um, in terms of their security, um, it is pretty robust. So, so from that point of view, it was... It was and it's all cloud-based. So like, like you know, banking online, it's, it's all cloud-based. You can do it from any device. And the same with Microsoft. You can do it from any device. It, you know, it, it's, these days, it's pretty robust. And there are... There are you know, so what you're systems. saying really is that it, it, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what the doorway is. The question is, is where you're going, secure, robust, etc. Yeah. So, yeah. so the kind yeah. of BYOD yeah. sort of conversation has had its day. Yeah. It's it's your entry point Completely. is your entry point. Completely. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. whichever place that the services are, are, are being hosted and the security of that service is, is... Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so what are the... If you, what would you say are the sort of digital challenges that have frustrated you in, in this or frustrated people here? Um, I think it's, it's about um, some of the historic systems that have been deployed without really thinking about the end user. So a lot of technology generates huge amounts of frustration in this organization and in any or, or any other organization. I mean, particularly around sort of HR systems, for example. Um, the, what, the system we use over at Canon is the same that we actually use here. And it's an organization that's been around for a long time, but their usability is just appallingly bad. Um, so it's, it's, for me, the fundamental thing that I think some... Um, technology companies have to really get to grips with in the future world is you know, really good usability. And a great example of um, good usability is Apple. They really understand usability. You know, Steve Jobs, he said, um, as long as my grandma can use a computer, then we've done, we've done our job. Yeah. And that's the, for so, you know, that's mm. the philosophy. You've and she got wasn't even have. that good with computers. No, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but so many companies who deliver technology just miss that out completely, mm. completely ignore the And what would you say that you've, you've sort of picked this up over uh, a, a rich and varied career that in, in the end, if you don't dig into the day-to-day of what people are actually doing, if you just apply something that looks great in a PowerPoint, you know, don't be surprised if it doesn't produce exactly. much in terms of results. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, from, throughout the sort of career that you, you, you tend to build, build on, and, and you build that sort of uh, deeper understanding about what users really need, mm. not what an IT department thinks the users need from a technology point of view. It's what the real... And for, for me, it's about... It's, so it's good usability, but it's also about 
getting the, the company brand out to the users as well. Mm. So, so that digital experience... So what do you mean by that? So, so for example, what's, I mean, if, you, if we didn't do any of our customization, you would just be getting the off-the-shelf right. Office 365 which is all designed by Microsoft and looks like Microsoft and doesn't give the end user that Heathrow experience. Yeah. So what we've done is actually give the end user that Heathrow mm. branded experience mm. from a digital point of view. And that, for me, is the really important thing because if you're building a successful brand, you've got to build it from the inside and digital can play a massive part, mm. a massive role in it these mm. days. No, it's because I suppose, you know, you mentioned Schiphol, um, which I know is the sort of rival European hub airport yeah. and they've yeah. got seven yeah. runways. Yeah. Heathrow's got two, yeah. hoping to get three. Yeah. Um, but I suppose what you're trying to do is build more, um, a, a, almost like a digital runway yes. for the airport. Because I often talk to people about build, don't just build a new physical HQ, build a digital HQ. Absolutely. And the idea of a digital Absolutely. runway that actually adds to the capacity and efficiency. You know, because I'm amazed at sometimes, uh, you know, and I've had experiences where you're waiting for the baggage and, and you know, it's just not here, yeah. but other places. Yeah. And sometimes it'll come, not just at Heathrow and yeah. other airports, yeah. you know, which shall remain, uh, you know, where, you know, it, it's really either really fast, really slow, etc. And behind it is all of this. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. So it's, so it's a great analogy. It's a, it's a digital runway for our staff that they actually can feel engaged and part of the Heathrow brand. Um, and it's actually nothing, no, you know, no other organization will offer that same digital experience. It's a purely Heathrow mm. branded digital experience that we want to give our staff. And that's, that is so important. And that's about two-way integration mm. and interactivity as well. So a lot of the, a lot of the platforms, including Buzz and Yammer and all the rest of it, they all give us that pure real-time interactivity with our mm. staff real yeah and one idea that's been kind of coming up in my mind talking to different people lately is that that actually this this digital digitization of a workforce can become a real um, competitive asset but also it takes it moves just not from an organization it can move out to a city yeah so if a city's digitization a smart city and i'm and, and i'm intrigued by that by this idea of a digital nation and whether the, the, both the security, the capacity of that place um, to be digital becomes a real reason to w do business there. Yeah. It becomes a yeah, real yeah, yeah. differentiator. Yeah. I mean, we've seen yeah. it in the banking world. I mean, I think, you know, the main banks have kept the security very high. Yeah. There's been quite a few starter banks that have had then hacking. We don't hear their names anymore. No, no, no. It's right. People will seek, particularly you know, in, a, in an environment where security is so much more important yeah. you know, to those organizations. Yeah. So yeah. what's your advice, Neil, to, to other organizations sort of in, who aren't where you are but thinking we really need to digitally integrate We've got a, a distributed workforce, retail, manufacturing, yeah, whatever. Yeah, what's, what's your yeah. advice? I mean, for, for, for me, one of the most fundamental things you need to get right is that real deep understanding of your workforce. So if you've got that, then you can start to build on that and go forward. But without that real understanding first, without those real deep, um, that research session, the, the focus groups, you know, all of that understanding, you've got to... No, you've got to feel like you are one of the workforce right down at the, you know, the, the sort of real operational level. And if you can understand it from their point of view, 
then you're going to deliver a great result. Mm. But unless you have that, and this is where I think most people actually do go wrong, they don't actually know what it is to work in that in particular role in that in that organization you know sort of right now in the nuts and bolts of the organization and particularly when you have an operational based workforce like we have here um that presents its own challenges you know because they haven't they haven't got their own device for example you know it's not it's not you know here in this building it's very easy because mm. they've all got corporate laptops so sure. it's much easier to do that sort of thing mm. but when you've got a remote operational type workforce that builds in much you know a lot of additional challenges and um so it is for me it's that fundamental bit of really understanding what your workforce do day in day out mm. every minute what the frustrations are and where digital where digital can help that so the, the question that i i like to end with and i'm sorry we've uh, run out of time because it's been so interesting hearing the stories is is what so what's a perfect working day for you neil perfect working day yeah what what, what, um, what happens on a perfect where, where you end up neil barnett senior digital communications manager at heathrow's just had the perfect day what, what what's been in it um usually sort of um delivering something that's um of of real value to the to the staff out there um but but um sort of on, on the other side of it um working here at the the airport you get to see um a real some amazing really things like just spending a day with with the um the air force um the airside um engineers and actually driving around you know up and down the runway um fixing things and sorting things out yeah. That that can be just fascinating. It's a Absolutely frustrated fascinating. career here in, 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 in as an airline pilot or something, isn't there? It's, it's or, or going up the uh, control tower, you can see there. Have you done that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. God. So, you, so one Fantastic. of the most amazing things was um, the induction course here is four whole days. Wow. I've never, ever come across such a detailed induction course in any company. You know, you get a couple of hours, you might get one day if you're lucky. Yeah. Here, you get four days, and you literally cover this whole little mini city, mm. including going up the control tower. So from the top of that control tower, if you look in that direction, you can see Windsor Castle. And okay. if you look down in that direction, you can see Canary Wharf. Wow. That is how high. It's not very high from here, no. but believe me, aeroplanes, when you look on the ground, they're literally matchbox size. They're that big. Well, uh, so it's just a fascinating, fascinating place. Great. Well, thank you so much, Neil. It's, and it's a pleasure. Been, it's been fantastic sitting here on this beautiful sunny day, um, looking out at the planes taking off and landing and, um, uh, you know, just the kind of hive of, yeah. of activity. And, it, and it's, uh, you know, air traffic and, and air that air transportation is something that we sort of take for granted, do. don't we? we? Do. But it's an Absolutely. extraordinary thing. It, yeah. it completely wraps our planet. Yeah. Um, people move yeah. from one jurisdiction into another. Yeah. You know, the governance yeah. all works. Yeah. It, you know, it, it seldom gets disrupted. And it's been delightful talking to you, Neil. No, so absolute thank you pleasure. so much. No, absolute pleasure. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. If you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com and thank you for listening.